listening to the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast, where Dan and I are going to get ready to take it to the fifth for week five. <laughs> oh, boy. To the fifth. So, Dan, what's going on, man? How you doing? Pretty good, man. Uh, I got another win in the league of record, which was a nice little surprise. And uh, you and I facing off this week, so uh, we've got that to look forward to. Yeah, the battle of the podcast. As I know, we were already talking about, what do you feel about playing this guy? And it's like, well, I'm going to answer it because you're a friend, but I hope he doesn't do well. But Right. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be going head-to-head in the League of Records. So you brought your record to an even 500 over the past couple of weeks, right? Yep, two and two. I really should be three and one, but uh, that week one tie uh, with those wide receivers and the tiebreakers kind of burned me, but uh, definitely starting to round out a little bit. Uh, People are coming around. Some players are starting to hit. Uh, I got some lucky uh, pickups on the waiver wire. So, yeah, I'm excited with how my team's trending for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this week um, we're going to start off with our normal Tuesday night episode where we're going to give a quick recap of the Sunday night, Monday night games. But what we're really going to focus on is the important news and injuries getting you ready for week five. And then a lot gonna, of action this week. Yeah, there's a ton of news we're going to go through. And then our favorite segment that we do each week, Real or Fake, where we're going to talk yeah. about some performances, both positive and negative, uh, from each position and talk about whether that's believable or you should just fade it. And then I'm glad to say, Dan, we got a lot of questions from Twitter and email this week that I wanted to get them all in. So we're going to have a pretty busy episode before we go through a quick Thursday night preview. Yeah, love it. Love it. Keep the questions coming. I love the uh, the random questions from Twitter. I love the, the people reaching out um, all over. Uh, keep it coming. I love it. I know we love it. That, that That's what makes this a lot more fun than just us talking about the games and stuff like that. Exactly. So, Dan, since we're so busy, let's get to it with the Sunday night recap really quick. This one was disappointing. Just felt like a complete oh, dud watching boy. it. The Ravens went to Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers 26 to 14. Dan, I'm going to give a couple of my notes and throw it to you for your thoughts on the game. And uh, my first note was Joe Flacco and John Brown absolutely shredded the secondary early yep. and kept the foot on the uh, gas pedal. Yep. Um, Alex Collins' fumble concerns are really going to limit his upside. It's, it seemed like as soon as he fumbled, it was the Buck Allen show from there on out. So something to monitor. Uh, is he going to be punished for those fumble concerns? And then a few Steeler notes before I toss it to you, Dan. Even though you would take the performance by Antonio Brown, it still seems to me like there's an issue between Big Ben and A.B. not connecting like they normally do. It seemed like there was a lot of yards and catches left on the table. And I don't know if it's just they're just not in sync. Is Ben just not finding him in the right spots? But I noticed that during the game. And and I'm sorry, I said this, I think, pretty much since Week 2's performance. As much as they say they don't need him, Steelers need Lev Bell badly in the offense. And we're going to talk about him in the important news and notes section. Yeah, they desperately need him. I mean, I think one week one, people were like, you know what? We're fine. <laughs> I'm going to be fine. If I got James Conner off that waiver wire, I'm going to be fine. Uh, and then week two happened, and he was okay. And then, I mean, you can, like last week, I said it last week, you can tell the difference. Uh, there is a sizable difference. James Conner is a nice player, a nice running back. He's just not left Bell. And, 
I think I'm really starting to come around to your kind of position in terms of there's just not anything uh, that they can do uh, to make James Conner Lev Bell. Lev Bell's a unique player, and it's just there's no replacing him. Yeah, and we're going to talk about both Lev Bell in the player news section, and then you're going to hear James Conner a little later. I think we got some stats that you need to really take a look at, so we'll discuss them. What are your thoughts on Baltimore overall? Anything stand out? Uh, the only the only person that I really like uh, on the in the wide receiver core is John Brown. Uh, we've been saying this from the very beginning, Bob, of the fantasy season, is if you have John Brown, you should be starting him because he is a legit deep threat. Uh, it looks like he's finally kind of come into his own on this Baltimore team, which is nice because you're looking for these big play um, options. And John Brown is a big play option. Flacco will throw the deep ball to John Brown. I think he showed that in this game. Uh, in, in pretty much every other game, John Brown is in with uh, the Ravens thus far this season. Uh, Crabtree's been disappointment. Uh, he just has, he's been getting the targets, but he's just not the same player uh, John Brown is. I think you can look to the waiver wire. Um, if you have Michael Crabtree uh, and you're starting him, I think there's better options on the waiver wire. Like uh, QT, I really like. Uh, and, and frankly, some of those uh, Jacksonville wide receivers are becoming better week-to-week options than Crabtree is. Yeah, D.D. Uh, Westbrook was one I was going to say, so I'm glad you brought up Jacksonville. And the running back, I think, is, is going to just keep getting cloudier. I think you made a great point about the fumble concerns, but Alex Collins uh, had a nice start to this game in Pittsburgh. Um, but the other thing is is that you and I have both been saying, you especially, Bob, uh, you've been on the Buck Allen trade early. Uh, if there is anything that's going to kind of like nosedive uh, Alex Collins' chance for like fantasy uh, being a viable fantasy option, it's going to be these fumble concerns. If they start showing up, uh, like you said, they're going to go to Buck Allen. He's there, uh, and he's a quality flex option in my opinion. Uh, and I know you like him a lot too. Yeah, just the fact that he gets the goal line work and he's – to me, more of a passing back option. He's never going to wow you with yards. I mean, this was somewhat of a down game, but if Alex Collins keeps fumbling, they already have faith in Buck Allen, so they're going to go to him. So, I mean, if he's still out there and you just need a bench depth player for bye week villains, I think you could do worse than Buck Allen. Agreed. So, Dan, let's move on to the Kansas City-Denver game. This one was actually a a tight game. It looked like Denver was going to pull it out, but Kansas City came back to win 27-23. Dan, I'm just going to go over a couple notes. I got four notes, and then I'm going to toss it to you on this game. So, Kareem Hunt owners, you got to be very happy. This was a monster performance from him. 19 for 121 and a touchdown. And then he added three for 54 through the air. So, uh, like um, approaching 200 combined yards with the touchdown. You got to be happy there. And I have some questions that I'll have you answer. I'll, I'll read them all and then maybe have you answer them. Is it crazy that a 304 passing yard, two total touchdown performance seems like a down game from Pat Mahomes? <laughs> yes. But the other thing is, is that if you watch this game, you're, you just, I mean, this was the best that they played him and he was like he was not going to be stopped in that fourth quarter, Bob. He was not going to be stopped. He was willing that team to victory. This was such an exciting football game. Let me just talk about that just real quick. How great have these games this season been? I mean, these are like some of the best NFL games I can remember watching in a long time. I mean, that Oakland Cleveland game was fantastic. The uh, Thursday night getting, game. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Oakland Cleveland game from Sunday night. Yeah, and then the Thursday. Uh, I'm saying the Thursday night game oh, yeah, too yeah, with yeah. the Rams and Vikings. Yeah. And we're getting exciting Thursday night games. I just it, this is 
Couldn't have asked for a better start to the NFL season for someone who enjoys the NFL uh, version of football. Um, but yeah, to your point, uh, geez, I think there's one play that really sticks out in my head for Mahomes, and that's when he was getting chased. Yeah, when he was getting chased down, um, and literally like flipped his flipped the ball to his left hand, and then just kind of shot putted it to Tariq Allen, uh, Tariq Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Yep. Uh, unbelievable. Yep. I mean, uh, if you're in a league where you got Mahomes, uh, you you got a gem. He is a every week starter, no matter what. Uh, man, that this Chiefs team, I don't know if people were picking them to be, you know, Super Bowl bound, playoff bound, anything like that. But the, boy, they, they seem to be the team to beat uh, right now. Dan, to me, this is the, the week where the test is going to come. He plays Jacksonville, and if he looks yeah. even like this, he's the no-brainer number one every week because Jacksonville could be the team that could test them. But you're still – I mean, 304 passing yards, two total touchdowns, and you feel like it was like a letdown. I mean, yeah. Jesus, please give me that on my team. He was at a rushing touchdown too. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he was – he's a dual – oh, man, he – I can't say enough about how exciting this is like how Deshaun Watson came into the league last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, but Mahomes is showing that he, uh, he got man, so much talent. I mean, if you're a Kansas city chief fan, you're loving life right now. Dan, I'm going to move to a couple of Denver points before we move on to the news and notes. I just have a question. I sort of answered it myself in my notes, but who is the lead back in Denver? To me, it keeps looking like Philip Lindsay keeps getting more work, and he just looks more explosive, although both running backs look good. Both had almost 70 yards and a touchdown on the ground, but to me, it seems like they want to lean a little more on Lindsay, but if you have either one of them, they're at least flex options every week. I agree. I, and I, Royce Freeman was someone who uh, I think both of us liked coming in, especially in a dynasty type league. Uh, but Lindsay wasn't on the radar for anybody. Uh, and he, he is now on everyone's radar. I agree. I think he's the lead back. I think if you have um, Lindsay, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable starting him as even an RB two. Yep. Um, definitely a flex, maybe an RB two Freeman, just kind of a flex play. I just feel like Lindsay's more explosive right now. And then, Dan, last question I have for you. Does Demarius Thomas look done? Yeah. Oh, gosh. As a Demarius Thomas owner, I desperately want to say, no, he's not. But unfortunately, as a Demarius Thomas owner, I'm very concerned that, yes, he is. He's just been disappearing these first four games. He had a nice game week one. Uh, but we've talked about this pretty much for the first week, four weeks of the season. In terms of fantasy football, I really think Emmanuel Sanders is the guy to own and is turning into basically the only guy to own um, other than that rookie uh, who, who's had some pretty nice games as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that wraps up the week four recaps with the Sunday night and Monday night game. Dan, let's get into the news and injuries uh, so we can <laughs> sort of set expectations here. Um we got a lot, so let's try to keep it to like a point or two each, and then we'll move on. Um, now, yep. they're on a bye, but Jameis Winston has been confirmed as the starting quarterback when they come off a bye in week six for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, to me, he, he's going to throw for a lot of yards like he did last year. Could have some interceptions, but, um, you know, if you're starting to map it out, he's not a bad stash if you want to stash a quarterback, in my thoughts. I agree. Not a bad stash, but I'm not excited about him. I don't know if you're going to have the same level of uh, production that you had with Fitzmagic because I think Fitzmagic is more of a gunslinger is going to take more uh, risks than free, than uh, Winston. Uh, but I agree. Nice, nice stash. Not, not a starter right away for sure. 
Yep, and like I said, they are on a buy, so um, you know you might be able to sneak them in Fab for nothing if you do a Fab waiver free agent acquisition budget. So just something to keep in mind. But um, let's move on to the running backs and some big names here. So uh, I know this one frustrates you, but Leonard Fournette, the Jaguars coach, <laughs> Doug Marone, is uncertain when Leonard Fournette with a hamstring will be ready to return. Dan, just give your general thoughts. What, what are you What are you doing? What are you feeling as a Leonard Fournette owner right now? As a Leonard Fournette owner, I'm just kind of disappointed because if he wasn't ready to play, why did you play him? Or, I mean, don't rush him back. I just, I was listening to something on Fantasy Radio earlier this week and people are just like, Leonard, sit down until the bye week. And I was like, oh God, please no. (laughs) But if that's, if that is what is going on, you've got to, I mean, you've got to look elsewhere. Uh, It's just, it's frustrating because he's on your squad. There's even a chance that he's going to play. You're playing him because you don't want to, you don't want, you have Leonard Fournette FOMO, fear of missing out from those big points. And you want to avoid that. Uh, But he just, it's not, he can't trust him right now. You can't trust him right now. And you know what? Even that first week back, I might say, if I've got a better matchup I like more, I'm sitting him because I can't get another three points out of my running back, especially if it's coming around playoff time. I mean, if you want to play him this week against me, I'm all about it. But <laughs> <laughs> No, he will not be in there. <laughs> I yeah. assure you. Yeah, and the Jaguars uh, have the bye on week nine. So, I mean, if it looks a little tricky, I wouldn't doubt. He's not, he's not going to play this week. Doesn't sound like he's going to play the week afterwards. I mean – if you're a playoff team, they they may sit them out towards the bye week. So yeah, um, that's a long time to wait for. You're probably RB one who you're counting on doing big things for you just to be sitting there. Uh, he's really he's. I know I've talked to a bunch of other Fournette owners. Uh, it is frustrating. There's a lot of disappointed fantasy owners of Fournette, but you know it's it's on him. It's his career. He's got to work himself back into game shape. So hopefully it's sooner than later. But I'm not I'm not holding my breath. Joe Mixon from the Cincinnati Bengals. When Coach Marvin Lewis was asked will he return for Week Five, he said, "That's an emphatic we'll see." So there's really no confirmation at the time that we are recording. Giovanni Bernard's played well, so I mean, if they have any concerns whatsoever, I could see them sitting him one more week just to get him 100% healthy. But um, you know, it's just a wait and see approach. What are your thoughts on Joe Mixon right now? I think if any, if being Leonard Fournette owner, if I could give a Joe Mixon fantasy owner any advice is just hope that they're patient with him because you don't want to be in a situation that all of us Fournette owners are at. Uh, and Bernard has done a nice job. Uh, I mean, you played him in our daily, our getting drafted with draft. Oh, can't uh, wait to talk about that performance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was one of your better players. Uh, and I think if you're Cincinnati, you want – you're a playoff team this year, uh, or you're hoping to be a playoff team this year. Uh, our fantasy worries aren't your concerns, so you're sitting him. So that means if you're his fantasy owner, you, you better have a backup plan because I'm not counting on him being back this week and maybe even the week after. Yeah, I mean, I think the win against the Falcons bought them another week. I think if yep. they would have lost, they probably would have said, all right, we need to try and get you on the field here. But... I think he's out this week, but always check with us. Check our Twitter at NotTakesFF. We retweet. We retweet. It's easy to say. Any, <laughs> any news that's out there. So if you follow us, we'll try and keep up to date with that. Um, more running back news. And this is news to Pittsburgh Steelers fans' ears. 
Uh, Le'Veon Bell, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reports holdout Le'Veon Bell is expected to report during their week seven bye. Adam Schefter, however, says the Steelers are still expected to be interested in listening to trade offers. The Steelers, however, would already get a compensatory pick in 2020 if Bell decides to walk as a free agent. But you also heard Le'Veon Bell say he's interested in looking at trying to re-sign with the Steelers. So what are your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell in this situation right now, Dan? You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, as a fantasy owner, uh, if I if I have Le'Veon Bell, I'm hoping he comes back. Uh, but I've since the beginning of the summer, I've been a real pessimist about this situation. Uh, so anyone can say anything they want until you show up. I'm not worrying about it. Uh, and as a Steeler fan, uh, I almost don't know. I, I almost think that at this point it's better if they just move him because I don't know what it's going to be like when he gets back in that locker room. Uh, so, I mean, this doesn't really, this doesn't move the needle for me at all in terms of uh, Lev Bell fantasy relevance. Uh, and frankly, uh, I probably would have tried, if I was Lev Bell owner, I probably would have tried to trade him already uh, because I need someone actively playing unless I've gotten my R spot. Yeah, so I'm lucky. I, I own him in multiple leagues. I mean, he's basically... Uh, tanking my teams in best ball where I took him, but you know, it is what it is. Um, but as an owner in a seasonal league, um, I'm just trying to tread water because I think he does come back in week eight, week eight and he just goes right back into the lead role. I think they know that he's a special talent and the performance by James Conner over the past couple of weeks um, doesn't bode well, I, I think, for their offense as a whole. Um, so I'm hoping, and I'd be curious in the offseason if they try to offer him something similar, maybe even a little less than what they offered this summer, and see if he bites on it. But, um, you know, it's just something to monitor, but it sounds like he'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, Dan, Chris Carson, Seahawks coach Pete Carroll expects Carson back in week five. However, he said Mike Davis earned a spot in the Seattle running back rotation moving forward. So this could be even more of a muddled mess with these three. Yeah, just when you thought a muddied backfield got cleared up by a pretty nice performance out of Carson in week three. Uh, Mike Davis comes out of nowhere, has a monster game, and now he's in the rotation. So we've got a three-man backfield. Uh, but now it looks like I think Carroll said something to the effect of that Penny's going to be focusing more on participating in special teams. Uh, I, I don't know. I think at this point you pick up Mike Davis uh, just because you don't know who's going to hit. And uh, this is like it's turning into a real New York Jets situation over there in um, Seattle. I still would prefer Carson just because I've liked Carson since the very beginning. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know even when. I don't even know where to start with this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably hands off. But yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to take a low risk pickup, Mike Davis, if he doesn't pan out, just drop him again. So sure. Um, another running back, Dalvin Cook, admitted he's still less than a hundred percent. I mean, they basically did have like a mini buy after playing Thursday, so he should be healthier. But it is something to monitor. I mean, I did make a trade for him trying to buy low before uh, he came back. So I still am holding the faith with him. Obviously, they're getting nothing from Latavius Murray. Um, so even if it's another week where they say, hey, you know what, let's maybe even sit you out. I'm totally cool with that as a Dalvin Cook owner. Because once he gets back healthy, I think he's going to dominate the workload there. I, I agree. And, you know, maybe this is the Leonard Fournette fatigue, fatigue talking, but take your time. I mean, if, he, if he's not 100%, why are we playing him? 
uh, I mean, it just, it's, it's like the fantasy owner's nightmare. Uh, guys want to go out there and play. I get that. I would want to do that too. Um, but it, you know, I guess even with Dalvin cook, just like with all the other guys with these issues, with these injury issues, uh, if you've got better matchups, I would look elsewhere because you don't want to have the two point performance that Dalvin gave you, uh, this past week, um, going into week five. Yeah, I dodged a bullet in my league where I picked him up. I thought about plugging him in there, but I said, I need to see a week, so I'm glad I waited. So, yep. um, This is news I'm excited about. Mark Ingram, suspension is over, and he was actively ready and met the airport, uh, met the Saints at the airport early Monday morning. Look, Alvin Kamara is the alpha there right now. But as you saw last year, they were both top 10 running backs, and this is the time of year last year where they traded Adrian Peterson away. Yeah. So, as a Mark Ingram owner, even if he's just like that steady RB2, I'd be so happy. You know, just to give some point of reference, Zeke Elliott's my lead dog. Right now, my number two, I've moved Marshawn Lynch in there. So, if I can alternate between him and Mark Ingram as my RB2 with Zeke Elliott, this gives, me a whole, nice. yeah, this gives me a little bit of a comfort level that I didn't have while I was waiting for him to come back. So... Great news. I think it's going to make the Saints offense even deadlier because they can spell Alvin Kamara. They could get him out wide with both people in the game. I mean, it just opens up a whole bunch of possibilities right now. Yeah, you and I talked about this whenever uh, Kamara was just kind of lighting it up through the air. This past week, he lit it up on the ground. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, potential offenses with Michael Thomas split out wide, Kamara in the slot, Mark Ingram lining up in the backfield. Uh, who are you stopping? Like, that's the question. Like, who are you focusing on? It, it's just, op- it could open up things so much more for this offense. Uh, yeah. If I'm in it, I think you, it was smart of people to invest in him in a draft at a reasonable price. Uh, and you're about to get payback on, on that draft pick at this point. Hopefully not this week, but <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. Cause I got him active right now. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to some wide receiver news. Will Fuller, speaking Monday, Texans head coach Bill Bri- Bill O'Brien said the hamstring removal against the Colts was not precautionary and that the team would see how it goes this week. With hamstrings, I think if it's any severity, he's missing a week. So I, I wouldn't invest heavily on Kiki QT. Um, but, I mean, if it's a one-week fill-in, uh, I think, personally, I think Filler, Fuller uh, misses this game with a hamstring. Let him get healthy. Well, if there's one thing uh, that I'll defer to you in terms of expertise, it's hammies. Ham slayer. <laughs> 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 but I agree. Uh, but you know what? I, I like QT. QT this week uh, a lot. And I also I like him moving forward. I think he has a spot on this team. Uh, you don't, you know, just don't get randomly, uh, you know, over 10 catches and a hundred yards, uh, just out of nowhere. Uh, this guy's got some talent. I know a lot of people were pretty psyched about him in dynasty leagues as well. Uh, so I think he has a position. I wouldn't, I would invest in him at this point. Um, but here's the other thing with Fuller, uh, not always the healthiest yeah. guy on that team. And he deals so, with a lot of soft tissue issues like this too. Right. And I know it's four net fatigue. Uh, these soft tissue injuries are not easy to come back from. So there could be multiple weeks where he's just not right. And uh, maybe comes in, gives it a try, and it doesn't go well. And now you've got uh, QT as the the number two. Uh, so I, I think you can invest in him now. Um, probably maybe play him and start him as a W wide receiver three this week or two. Uh, 
Uh, they're definitely a flex. And then maybe just stash them on the bench for those weeks that Fuller's maybe not 100%. Yeah, and let's file another wide receiver under the hammy files. Uh, T.Y. <laughs> Hilton, it sounds like Coach Frank Reich uh, from the Indianapolis Colts. It doesn't sound like Hilton's playing. I think the short week affected it. Um, yeah. Uh, he could have possibly gone on a Sunday. Um, I, I, I mean, you just got to hold the fort. Um, you know, we mentioned Chester Rogers, Ryan Grant. Sounds like Jack Doyle is going to miss too. So Eric Ebron will probably get a lot of work against New England on Thursday. So yeah, unfortunate, but you just got to hold the fort with Ty. He's been having a good year so far. This could be one of those real nasty Thursday night games that we got used to seeing last week. Yep. Uh, or it could be real one-sided. Uh, the interesting thing about this um, game is the, the the guy we're going to talk about here next is uh, a big comeback for a a Patriots wide receiver. Uh, but I, I agree with you, Bob. You really just got to kind of hold the fort on T.Y. There's no sense getting rid of him, no sense dropping him, no sense trading him. He's a clear number one. Andrew Luck looks like he's getting back to form. Uh, so you're just going to have to sit him this week. It's a Thursday night game. I don't think you're missing out on all that much. Yep. And Dan, to your point, nice segue. Julian Edelman's four-game suspension has ended. Boy, New England, I think, really could use him. That passing game's been pretty mediocre. Yeah, and I know Brady said this week that he's ready to get right back in there. Uh, I'm excited. I'm an Edelman owner in the league of record. I'm excited to kind of roll him out there as my uh, third wide receiver option. Um, I'm definitely – I'm going to give – I'll roll the dice on him this week uh, just because I feel like they need to get something going. And if Gronk's a little banged up, Josh Gordon's not really kind of up to speed yet, uh, you know that he and Brady have a nice connection. So maybe there's a lot of – maybe there's a lot of targets in store for Mr. Edelman on his return. Yeah, I think if you got him, you start him right back up in a nice matchup on a Thursday night. And we list only one Packers wide receiver, but really any receiving options outside of Jimmy Graham and Devontae Adams <laughs> – are injured right now. So Geronimo Allison looks to be week to week with a concussion. I know uh, Randall Cobb's been dealing with an issue. Yeah. Um, Marquez Valdez Scantling is the next man up on the depth chart. So if you need a, a flyer option, I mean, he could be looking at the wide receiver too, the rookie. Um, so That's a deep pool right there, Bob. <laughs> yeah, real deep. That name is... That's a long one to go through with the hyphen yeah. in there. So, yeah. um, I mean, to me, it's going to be the Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham show. They're going to get littered with targets uh, this week, it sounds like. Man, it'd be nice because Jimmy Graham, I, I think, can do more than he's doing now. Um, and maybe this is the time maybe they kind of kick it up a notch with old Jimmy. Yeah, so let's move on to a couple tight ends. Uh, O.J. Howard, uh, Adam Schefter reports he's out two to four weeks with a sprained MCL. Now, the nice thing is they do have a bye week. Um, but if you're in a position like myself uh, where he was my only tight end, why had Greg Olson on the IR? I mean, I have to drop him. I, I can't hold more than two tight ends on a team. So uh, if you're in that position, you can drop him, and um, you're just going to have to play the wire. I mean, it, you'd like to get him back, but Jameis Winston does have a history with Cameron Braid. So who knows I was gonna how say, this is going to play out? Yeah, I, I bet Cameron Braid's there. Because, uh, OJ Howard had a nice couple of nice weeks. He was hot on the waiver wire. Uh, Cameron Braid, not very, very much attention. So I, I would bet he's still there. Uh, so... I mean, that would be somebody, if you've got Howard, I would target Bray because he does have that rapport with with Winston for sure. And just a reminder, the Bucks are on a bye this week. So if you could stash Bray, that might not be bad. Right. Uh, we, I mean, we knew it was bad, but Tyler Eifert, Adam Schefter reports, Eifert suffered a broken ankle. His season's over. Uh, we talked about, uh, to me, Tyler Croft is the next man up. He produced, depending on your scoring format, like a back end, tight end one, uh, high end 
tight end two last year. So if you really need a deep pull, because it's it's getting ugly with tight ends. I mean, Tyler yeah. Croft could be somebody to look at. Yeah, and if you got a couple people, like if you were lucky enough to grab somebody like Jared Cook, you you might want to hang on to him. Uh, you know, because he won't be there if you drop him. Uh, that this is kind of it's getting real dicey with tight end. Yeah, real dicey. Yeah, Dan, and uh, the last guy on a Thursday night uh, for tight ends that we're going to talk about is Rob Gronkowski, uh, listed as a non-participant in Patriots practice Monday. And, I mean, it sounds like there's going to be no Colts weapons that could strike fear in the Patriots. So I wouldn't doubt on a short week if they just say, you know what, Gronk, just sit, get healthy. I think they could beat them without Rob Gronkowski if needed and look for the long term. Oh, I agree completely. I think that there is a good chance that he doesn't play this week, uh, which should make things very interesting for those people who need tight end, <laughs> yeah. especially if Gronk's gone. Oh, man, it's getting so nasty. But, uh, yeah, I think this could be a week where they let him kind of take a seat and try to get maybe Josh Gordon more involved. Uh, I mean, James White, uh, definitely, you know, he's going to be involved. And Sony Michelle is starting to turn it on a little bit. So they might not need to lean on Gronk. Uh, and if Brady can get it going with Edelman again, uh, you know, this could be just kind of the, the Patriots catching fire. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Gronk took a seat now. Yeah, so, I mean, that was a lot of news. I think we went through 14 different players. So, like I said, keep a lookout uh, on our Twitter feed. We'll try and retweet anything of impact. Uh, once again, it's at NotTakesFF. And uh, we will be posting our rankings either late Wednesday, early Thursday. And we do make updates within the feed if we do have any breaking news that impacts our rankings. So, just keep an eye out for that. And we, uh, we like to be as proactive as possible giving you guys the news that we have. But, Dan, let's get into our favorite segment, Real or Fake, where we talk about some week four performances, unexpected performances, both good and bad. And let's talk about, are they, is it real to believe in this or is this a fade and you're just thinking it's a fake performance? So Dan, do you want to take the good or the bad this week? I'll take the bad, Bobby. All right. Well, I'll take the good then. And we'll start with quarterback. And we got the witnesses on oh, Sunday God. night in Pittsburgh. Joe Mr. Fl- Elite. <laughs> yeah. Joe Flacco, 28 for 42, 363 yards, two touchdowns versus the Steelers. On some of these, you know, we like to break down the games played and pace. Through four games, Joe Flacco's 110 for 171, 1,252 yards, eight touchdowns, two interceptions. Dan, if we pace that out to 16 games, he's 440 for 684, 5,008 yards, 32 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Is this real or fake? Uh, I, I think this is real. I'll be honest with you. I think this is real. Uh, I thought that Joe Flacco had a chance to be a sleeper two weeks ago. Uh, I liked him. Uh, I thought he could have a, he had a chance to have a good game against the Steelers because the pass defense is atrocious right now. Uh, and just because I think I'm so, and I'm so high on John Brown in terms of just a deep thread, big play type receiver. Uh, I think this is real. Uh, and that's bad news for us Steeler fans. Uh, because if the if the Ravens start clicking on offense, that's going to get real messy in our division. Uh, but, you know, right now, I, I like Flacco as a plug-and-play during a bye week if the matchup's favorable. Uh, I don't know if you can kind of rest confident that as an every-week starter. Uh, but, man, he's shown, like, legitimately, like, he's been a, a good fantasy quarterback. Uh, so I love – I actually think this is real. 
Yeah, Dan, I, I actually agree with you. And it's hard to say because over the past couple of years, he's just been like supremely mediocre. But I think them drafting Lamar Jackson just lit a fire under his ass. And I mean, I, I like what they did retooling their wide receiver core, too. I think they gave him weapons that fit his skill set. Yep. You've got the um, chain mover and Michael Crabtree. You got the deep threat and Joe Flacco can throw a very nice deep ball. And John Brown provides that game breaker type of player. Willie Sneed, you know, he, he's there. He's, he's reliable. And then you've got Javoris Allen out of the background, out of the uh, running back that can catch some balls. And then they're about to get Hayden Hurst back, the rookie tight end. Yeah. So I think they got weapons around him. He's not turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. And then when you're on pace for 5,000 yards, I mean, after four games, you got to start believing what you're seeing. And, and I'm actually believing in Joe Flacco. Yeah, I, I'm believing in Joe Flacco, too. Uh, please, no one take our Steeler fan card for, for agreeing I, with us. I know, right? <laughs> Dan, I'm going to send it to you for the bad. And, and I was nervous about this guy before uh, we got into the regular season. So why don't you give us the bad quarterback performance? Yeah, the bad quarterback performance of the week uh, was Russell Wilson. 19 for 26 for only 172 yards. Four rushes for 21 yards. This is against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, first, through the first four games, Bob, 76 for 121 for 880, 888 yards, seven touchdowns, three interceptions, only 11 rushes for 42 yards. That seems really, really low to me. Yeah. Uh, you want to hear the 16-game the pace? I do. Do you really want to? I uh, mean, uh, <laughs> I, think I, need, I think I just need to hear it and let it soak in for a minute. 304 for 484 for 3,552 yards, 28 TDs, 12 interceptions, 44 rushes for 168. That rushing seems so low. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, that rushing seems so low. Can, can this be real or is it fake? Oh, boy. And this is what I was worried about is I I thought even with Doug Baldwin in there, it could be a little bit of a tricky year. I'm going to believe in the talent and say this is fake. And I'm giving Russell Wilson the benefit of the doubt for one or two more games. Mm -hmm. But this is what I was concerned about could happen, which is why after multiple years of targeting him, because I could get him in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. Mm-hmm. That draft capital was up off of a monster year last year, but I think Jimmy Graham bailed out a lot of the touchdowns that he threw, and now they don't really have a tight end. Doug Baldwin's not really back 100%. Tyler Lockett's looked okay. He's been a top 12 quarterback since he's been in the league outside of his injury year, I think, two years ago. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's only going to be one or two more games before I have to really consider moving on. So, for example, in our Dynasty League, Active on our roster right now, we have Russell Wilson and Andy Dalton. This week, I think we have to play Dalton. I mean, no, I, I, I was going to bring that up to you later, Bob. <laughs> I think we should have played him last week too. Yep. Um, just because I didn't, I did not expect it to be uh, what it was last week. Uh, I mean, I was surprised that Doug Baldwin was coming back. Uh, I, I did. I was a little bit shocked that it was like, okay, well, he's just back now. Um. And, you know, I, I agree. I think this is fake. Um, I'm going to give him a week or two uh, to really until I'm, you know, maybe going to turn the page on him. Uh, but I just think like these rushing numbers are just way too low. 
yeah. way too low. Uh, and I don't think this is a product of Russell Wilson kind of taking a step back. I think just maybe the team in terms of, I mean, I know through the first couple of weeks he was getting sacked a lot, uh, but he doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, as much as he, I mean, really all that much. I think he threw his first pick six this season. So uh, I, I think that this is going to, he'll turn this around. I'm pretty confident that Russell Wilson's going to become um, the real Russell Wilson and he's going to get that Russ bus rolling. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is fake. Uh, I'm pretty confident he's going to turn it around. Yeah. You just got to believe in the talent. The dude's been a top 12 quarterback every year that he's been healthy. So, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> Even without weapons, I think the rushing does go up, like you said. I think they have to. They need, they need to really lean it all on him. Yep. Um, they, did, just, they did last year, and it worked out perfectly. Yep. Uh, you know, he was he was surrounded by similar talent last year, I think. Uh, and he had one of the one of his best seasons. Uh, I just I feel like this is just kind of a stretch of just mediocre games. And I, he still has a lot left in the tank. I'm confident this is going to be a turnaround. Yep. So let's move on to the running back. Our good performance, and it was really good. Sony Michelle, the New England Patriots, 25 rushes, 112 yards, one touchdown versus the Dolphins. And Rex Burkhead is on the IR. So, Dan, is this something that is real or is this something that's fake? I think this is fully legit. Uh, I think this is what they, why they drafted him where they did. This is what they want out of him. This is what they want to do. Uh, we said this earlier tonight, Bob, the passing tech is just not there for, for the Patriots right now. Uh, so they're going to lean on Sony Michelle and his talents are different than James White. Uh, I think this is real. I, I mean, I, I started him last week. I was thrilled with the performance. Uh, I think I'm starting again, starting him again this Thursday night. Uh, I'm pretty confident that this is going to be, uh, you know, hopefully the start of a legitimate rushing attack from New England, uh, which maybe opens things up for the passing game, maybe opens things up for Edelman. Uh, but, you know, I think if you are late to the Sony Michelle game, uh, you know, if you're early to Sony Michelle game, you're now you're pretty happy because you're getting some return on that. Uh, if he's still available for some reason, some way, somehow in your league, um, I would grab him because I think he's going to turn it up. Um, from here on out. Yeah, I 100% believe this is real. And I actually tried to make a play for him, for him in our league of record with a gentleman who says he wants to trade, but when trade <laughs> offers get talked about, he backs off a little bit. Love you, Greg. Just had to call you out a little bit. But yeah, I mean, this as soon as Burkhead went down, I knew it was real because they like to lean on somebody to lead the rushing portion of it. James White is going to play the passing, the pass catching role for New England. But Michelle, to your point, this is exactly why they drafted him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be the lead runner. There's no, there's nobody that's going to compete with him. He's not going to catch a bunch of passes because James White's there. But I don't even think it matters because you can get this with high touchdown probability, just yep. like Legarrette Blunt uh, in his couple years with New England. So, to me, buy into it if you can get him. Try and get him. Um, like I said, I tried, just was unsuccessful, but. I think it's 100% real. Yep. And Dan, let's go to the bad. We teased this earlier. Uh, we have some stats here that are going to open some eyes as to why, at least me personally, was a little pessimistic once week two's performance ended. So go ahead, Dan. Yep. Uh, the bad is our very own James Conner. Nine rushes for 19 yards. 
Seven targets, three receptions, 25 yards, two-point conversion. Uh, that was versus the Ravens. Week one, though, 31 rushes, 135, two touchdowns, six targets, five receptions, 57 yards. That's like your classic left bell performance. Uh, but after that point, Bob, 32 rushes. This is total after week one. 32 rushes for 97 yards and a touchdown. 18 targets, 13 receptions for 107 yards, and two two-point conversions. And that's it. Is this a real James Conner or a fake James Conner? Yeah, yeah, Dan, this is this to me is real as well. Um, I said it a couple weeks back. I love everything about this guy. Uh, I mean, I'm from Pittsburgh, still live there. I'm a big fan of Pitt. My wife went to school there. Just seeing what this dude's gone through, uh, it's it's awesome to see that he's producing at an NFL player level. But this was the concern I had, and this is why I kept saying, boy, they really need Lev Bell back. Week one was awesome. That's probably going to be his best game of his career. I, I just don't yep. – he, he can't get much. It doesn't seem like he breaks tackles. And he's he's not as dynamic as Bell is. And I think what's happening is their defense is so poor that they're getting behind early in games. And so it takes him out of rushing. Whereas I think if they have left yep. Bell, they can still count on him. When they hand the ball off, he can get chunk yards and break long plays. So he never gets scripted out of games. While it's true Connor does give you some reception options, he just doesn't break anything there. I mean, one total touchdown in three weeks, mediocre rushing performances, gives you a little bit of a floor with um, you know, his receiving. But I just think this is sort of the player he is. Could he have good games here and there? Yes. But to me, he's a mid-level running back too. And, and I, I just hate saying it, but I think it's true. They need Levy and Bell back. So I think this is real, unfortunately. Well, I agree with you. Uh yeah, I, I love the I love him too, uh, you know. But in terms of fantasy football production, uh, it just hasn't been there. Uh, and you're, I mean, I think the big thing about it is, uh, to your point, Bob, is he does get scripted out of games. Uh, I mean, in the games where the Steelers have been falling behind and they've been falling behind, uh, he just disappears. Uh, and it wasn't until they actually got that lead in the Tampa Bay game. Um, that they actually started using him to kind of kill the clock. Uh, but if they have to catch up, which it seems like they've had to these first four, week, four weeks, uh, he's going to be like an afterthought. I mean, they're throwing the ball way more than they're running the ball. And he's just not as involved as Lev Bell was in the passing game. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, if, if I am a Lev Bell owner... I'm almost fine not trading for James Conner at this point. Uh, after week one, I would have desperately wanted him. Yep. But right now, I would say I'm probably good with who I've got. And uh, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today. You know, if Lev Bell leaves the Steelers, I think James Conner stays there. But I'm not convinced, like in terms of a dynasty setting, that he's going to be the full-time lead back like he is this season. I mean, they could definitely go in with timeshare. They could draft somebody. Uh, I'm just not convinced at this point. I mean, we're so early in the season, so this could completely – I mean, he could go completely off and explode and improve me completely he, wrong. He, he does have a favorable matchup with Atlanta, so don't be surprised if he does play well this week. 
Uh, and personally, I hope he does do that. Uh, but I just the consistency has not been there, so I am I am very concerned that this is uh, this is real. Yep. So yeah, let's move on to wide receivers. Our good performance, and it was really good. Corey Davis. 15 targets, 9 receptions, 161 yards, and the game-winning touchdown uh, versus the Eagles. Um, you know, Rashard Matthews has been traded. Uh, Mariota looks like he might be getting healthy. Uh, the two games before that, though, a little mediocre. 11 targets, 7 receptions, 89 yards. So based on what you saw this week against what he did the previous two weeks, is this week's performance real or is this fake, Dan? Uh, I'm going to say, I think it's fake, uh, just because, uh, those first three weeks that he was there, there was a little bit of diciness, uh, in the quarterback. Uh, there was some concerns there, but Richard Matthews was like a non-factor then as well. Right. Just because he left doesn't mean now all of a sudden Corey Davis is getting this huge uptick in work. He had a huge uptick in work. Uh, I think this is just a. I think Core Davis can give you games like this, um, but I just don't think this is your consistent Corey Davis performance. Um, just because, in terms of the, the small sample size that we've had um, this season so far, this season, uh, it, it just hasn't even been close to this level of production. So I'm thinking this is fake. Yeah, I'm saying fake too, um, to this level. Now, could he get you. Seven for seventy-five and a touchdown, something like that. And let's sure. think about let's think about when this touchdown took place, Bob. It wasn't like early in the first quarter. It was the very last play of the game in overtime. So, yep. <laughs> I mean, and it, and it was an amazing, miraculous play from Corey Davis to score the touchdown. So, I, I mean, I just don't like. I just don't think this is the Corey Davis you're getting when you're starting him. You're hoping you can get a boom performance like this, but you're not consistently thinking this is going to happen. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm definitely saying fake. I think he's a really high upside wide receiver three that could possibly get to a mid-level wide receiver two. Um, But it's not going to be like this type of performance. So I I agree with you completely on that. So, Dan, let's move on to a guy that, um, you know, I touted. You love. So uh, why don't you give us the bad wide receiver performance this week? It's Nelson Aguilar. 12 targets, 5 receptions, 22 yards. In the two games with Wentz, he's gotten 17 targets, 9 receptions, 46 yards. In the two games with Foles, 22 targets, 16 receptions, 121 yards, but only that one touchdown. Is this a real or fake Nelson Aguilar four-game performance? I'm going to say fake. And the reason I say that is he's still getting a lot of targets. I mean, 12 targets in a game. The concern is that he's not catching a lot of them. And I'll be honest, I I caught only some of this game in red zone. So I don't know if it's just he's still trying to get a rhythm with Carson Wentz. But as you can see, I mean, in the first two games with Foles, he's producing like a very reliable wide receiver three. Um, That's what I expect him to be this year. So... I think he's going to start catching more of these passes. As you saw last year, he would have these games of a good amount of targets, but for whatever reason, a low catch percentage and low yardage. But he will give you those 8 for 88 and a touchdown type performances. So I'm still holding the fort with him because I think once Wentz gets really right, we saw what that offense could be. And I would take the wide receiver too in that offense, and that's still Nelson Aguilar. I mean, yeah. Zach Ertz is like the one. Alshon is probably the two. So he'd be the third option. But I still want a piece of that as somebody I could just sit on the bench and let's see if it develops like it did last year. 
Uh, I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with you, my friend. Uh, I think this is real. Uh, I, I know you loved him coming in. And I liked him coming into these first couple of games, mm-hmm. uh, especially when Alshon was sitting. Um, but I think there's gonna there's a lot of mouths to feed now uh, in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, I think now that Alshon has shown that he's at least healthy enough to sh- to, to play how he did this past week. Uh, and I think Ertz is the, is the number one option overall in the offense. Um, I just don't like, again, in the same way that we talked about Corey Davis, uh, I just don't think you're consistently getting the production out of him that you would expect to be getting. Uh, so I think he's a nice flex play matchup based flex play. Um, but uh, you know, if you look at his first game, uh, eight receptions, 33 yards, uh, game two, he had eight receptions, 88 yards in the touchdown. That was against Tampa Bay. Uh, so those are high scoring games. Um, but then against Indy, uh, four receptions, 24 yards. And now against Tennessee, five for 22. Uh, I think that now that I think he's just kind of getting left behind. Um, I just don't think there's going to be enough, uh, action to go around. He'll have good games here and there. I, I, I can't, you can't deny that. I just don't think the consistency making him a week to week confident starter, uh, is there at this point. So I'm thinking this is kind of the real Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, you very well could be right. I mean, it's a, it's an obvious concern is the low yardage and low reception total. So let's move on to tight end. And our really good was Jared Cook, 13 targets, eight receptions, 110 yards, two touchdowns versus the Browns. Through four games, 35 targets, 26 receptions, 370 yards, two touchdowns. His 16-game pace, 140 targets, 104 receptions, 1,480 yards, eight touchdowns. Is this real or fake? I think this is. uh, I think this is real. Uh, I do. I just, I think that there are, uh, the receiving options outside of him are not that good, uh, in terms of consistent fantasy production. Uh, Amari Cooper will have, like you said on Sunday, we talked about him. He had a great game this week. He's going to have a dud next week. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? He, yeah. He's so, it's like riding that Amari Cooper, Cooper, Amari Cooper, <laughs> riding in that Cooper, riding the Amari Cooper roller coaster. Uh, of just kind of like inconsistency. Jordy Nelson had a nice game a couple weeks ago. Didn't have, uh, you know, nothing great to write home about this past week. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is showing that you know, he's going to be the consistent running the threat, running running the ball. Um, but I, when, I think it comes down to Derek Carr. I think he really has a lot of trust in him, or at least that's what I've seen so far. Uh, so I think this is a – he's turned himself into a consistent fantasy starter at the – at the one position where you never get consistency, ever get consistency, and this year especially with all of the injuries that have happened, uh, I think you can do a lot worse than rolling Jerry Cook out there because this is his high upside. Let's be honest. This is the high upside of him. Um, but even those other games, uh, he's shown that he has a value in terms of starting him in your fantasy lineup. So I think this is real. Yeah. 
I agree. And, and one of your points were just look at the tight end position. You have to believe in this because he's healthy. Right. <laughs> to, to me, he's he's the number one target. I don't think it's Amari Cooper. I think Carr does have the trust in him. And he's producing like even his you know down games, you know, it's like a couple receptions for like 40 some yards. As a tight end, <laughs> you'll take it. You can just plug right. this guy in every week and just forget right. about it. So I totally believe in this because of just the nature of the tight end position over everything else. And he's getting a ton of targets. So, um, yeah, I believe in, in Jared Cook moving forward at the tight end position. And, Dan, why don't you finish up our segment with the bad? The bad. is uh, I feel like we've talked about him before, <laughs> especially in this. Uh, Gronk. Rob Gronkowski. Seven targets, four receptions, 44 yards this week against the Miami Dolphins. In his last three games, 16 targets, 10 receptions, 110 yards. That's like one game usually. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. That's like what you want. You're like, you see that stat line for Gronk in one game. You're like, hey, he had a pretty good game. Uh, His 16-game pace is 96 targets, 68 receptions, 932 yards, and four touchdowns. Is this the real, the new, real Rob Gronkowski, or is this a big old faker? This is a big old faker. He can turn it around at any moment. We saw what the guy is. I mean, he's the number one, two, three at worst when he's healthy. I think New England lets him get healthy, and then the tear occurs. So if I can get him on my team, I'm going for it because his blowups will occur. This is totally fake. I don't even think I need to spend that much more time on it. I'm I'm nervous that it's real, but but history would tell me that that's insane. Uh, so you're you're right; it's got to be fake. Uh, I can never think of, of any time in my entire like life during fantasy season where I would ever say, you know what, I think I'm going to go to the wire and maybe drop Gronk and pick someone else up or start this guy over Gronk. Right. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I love Jared Cook, but if I have Jared Cook and Gronk, there's never a chance and. There's no chance in, in any realm of reality where I'm saying, you know what? I think I'm giving Cook the start over Gronk. I'm always starting Gronk. I'm always starting him. It's just one of those things where uh, eat, sleep, Gronk, Gronk will score and, touch, and catch touchdowns. It's just one of those things. Uh, but right now, I think the, the New England offense, in terms of fantasy-wise, is just not producing where you expect it to be. Um, but now you're getting Edelman back. Now you're getting a running game going. Now you're getting James White going. Uh, now you've got Josh Gordon on the team. Uh, so may, you, maybe you're right, Bob. I mean, do you, at this point, are you, tr- would you feel great about trading, uh, maybe Jared cook to somebody for Gronk and feeling like you kind of won out in that trade a little bit? I would try it. I mean, yeah. why, why not? Because at that point, uh, <laughs> you know, you could have the number one tight end. So I would try for the upside over everything in tight end at this point. Sure. So, yeah, that covers our real or fake for week four. A lot of interesting names and performances. We'll keep doing this every Tuesday night, Dan. We got a ton of Twitter questions and emails. So let's go through them uh, before we go through the Thursday night game. So I'm just going to read them off. Uh, I'll give my replies and then throw it to you. So our first question comes from Ryan Searfoss at Fantasy FB Connect. Who's your top buy low trade targets? So, I'll give a couple running back and wide receiver options. My running backs, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, hoping that his injury goes away. 
and Mark Ingram if you can get them before this week game. And then uh, my wide receiver by lows are Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton, and Odell before he has a big blow-up game. Those guys are somewhat underperforming, and with some injury concerns with T.Y., I think those are good by-low options for running back and wide receiver. Dan, are there any by-low targets that you would like to uh, add to this? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I think right now uh, there's one huge name out there that you can buy big time low on right now, and that's Leonard Fournette. Uh, if you if if there's any chance that someone's willing to give Fournette up, and yeah, I'll listen to offers. I'll tell you, everyone who's listening right now, I'll listen to Fournette offers right this second. Uh, I don't think there's a, there's ever been a point in which Fournette's value will be any lower than it is right now, uh, and there are people out there who are, we're counting on him to kind of just be, be there. Uh, maybe drafted Fournette went wide receiver heavy and grabbed someone like Crowell uh, to kind of be the RB two. And now they're stuck in a bad spot and Fournette's not playing. Uh, if, if I'm somebody who is trying to make a playoff run uh, and if I've got backs to spare, I feel pretty good about trying to float a couple offers for somebody who's like AP or someone like that saying, Hey, like AP's playing right now. He's playing pretty darn good. Uh, what do you think about me giving you AP for Fournette? Uh, I mean, I would probably entertain that offer. Um, I think that's someone I think you can buy super low on right now. Yeah, so great option. Uh, Ryan, hopefully that helps you with a couple options at the skill positions. Thanks for the question. The other one on wide receiver, I kind of have a feeling that Devontae Adams is just not doing what you expect him to do. Uh, So it might be a situation where you can kind of float some, maybe a a, a two-player deal to try to flip yourself Devontae Adams as well. Did you hear that one, Greg? Did you hear that? (laughs) (laughs) A little insight on some of the player offer in that trade to Greg there. So. All right, so Dan, let's move on to Ish at 76-ish. Would you drop Kenyon Drake to pick up Sony Michelle or Royce Freeman? PPR yes. League. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Don't even bother. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I would drop anybody. I will drop. I literally would drop Kenyon Drake for every, anyone at this point. It's been so atrocious. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, my instant answer was I would definitely do it for Sony Michelle. If he's out there, you drop him and don't even think about it. Yep. So, Agreed. I mean, he's going to be the lead back. And I, I was personally never a believer in Drake coming into this year. Too many red flags in the uh, preseason that just turned me away from him. So Yeah, and you look spot on on that analysis, my man, because, boy, has he been bad these first couple of weeks. Ish, if you're listening right now, pause, <laughs> pause the podcast, go to your waiver wire, get Sony Michelle right now. Yeah, or, I mean, or anyway, I mean, geez, uh, I would even feel good about dropping him for even like a, a – Depending on what your running back situation is, uh, dropping him for even like a, a wide, a new, another wide receiver or something, I just don't see a lot of value there. I, I really think Frank Gore is going to take over at some point. It, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. It kind of happened last week, um, but I really think Frank Gore is probably just going to step in and start controlling this backfield. Yep. Thanks again for the question, Ish. Hopefully that helped. Uh, let's move on to another one. Kind of mad Dan at kind of mad Dan. Tight I'm kind of mad. Yeah. Tight end <laughs> is a wasteland. I don't care about ceiling anymore. Just give me a startable floor. Share thoughts on who's got the decent floor rest of season. He, he lists a few. So Ricky Seals-Jones, Austin Safarian-Jakins, Dallas Goddard, Austin Hooper, Greg Olson, who looks to be coming back soon, uh, Mike Kosicki, Tyler Croft, and CJ Uzama. 
Um, and I just put, you know, look, I feel your pain too. I'm stuck in the same situation. The two that I pointed out were Croft and Olsen. Croft being a solid back end one, high end two, depending on format. And Olsen sounds like he's a week or two away. So um, out of the list that he gave me, I'd feel comfortable looking at those two. Any others that you would think of, Dan? Yeah, I, I like, I mean, if I would, I mean, here's the thing is if you have the IR spot and, and Olsen's there, it sounds like you probably don't if he's on the wire. Uh, I would feel pretty good about grabbing Olsen and then just kind of streaming matchups out there. Uh, I think Seals Jones could have nice weeks from time to time. Uh, I think that maybe the, the, the QB sort of situation's clearing up a little bit in Arizona. Uh, Rosen had a decent game. Uh, I really think that there's a chance that he could kind of go off. And Safari Jenkins, I think, is underrated. They're just not featuring the tight end very much. And now with Fournette out, Yeldon being the lead back, uh, the, the wide receivers have been playing well. I think there are some big games maybe there for Seth Barry and Jenkins. Uh, but I agree with you, Bob. I think Tyler Cross is probably the main person you should try to kind of take a look at right now. Uh, because while, while he was there, Eifert was playing well. And as you said earlier tonight, uh, when Croft was there, he had decent games and it, you're right. It's a wasteland. So you're really just kind of, you're just really kind of reaching, hoping something hits at this point. Yeah, so uh, thanks for the question once again, Dan. Hopefully that helps. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a mess out there for tight end. Um, so, Dan, the next question we have is from Michael Logan at Seawood98. Which Pats back do you like better in PPR Patriots? I have both. I'll probably play White at Flex. Elliot's my lead back. Do you like Sony Michelle, Marshawn, or James Conner as an RB2? So let's take the first half. In PPR, who do you like better, James White or Sony Michelle? James White, because James White's going to catch balls. Uh, so I think in PPR, uh, and I think you saw kind of what James White brings PPR-wise last week. Uh, great game last week, especially in a PPR league. Uh, so I like James White more in PPR. Me too, and that's exactly how I answered it. And Dan, let's go to the second part of this question. I sort of have this situation, so my answer is pretty clear. With Zeke Elliott as his lead back, do you like Sony Michelle, Marshawn Lynch, or James Conner as an RB2? Uh, I mean, I, I, I just I don't like playing double backfields. So uh, even though I like White as a flex, I probably would shy away from Sony Michelle. Um, just because I don't like playing two people out of the same backfields. I think they're really limiting the amount of touches the player will get. Uh, so if I'm going to rank them, uh, if I didn't have White as a flex, Sony Michelle would be the RB2 without a doubt. Right. Um, but with White as a flex, I think I'm probably going Marshawn, Connor, then Sony. Yeah, and I said Marshawn. I don't get why this guy's still doubted i mean he's a number eight running back in our league of record and that's a half point ppr so he looks like he's back into beast mode i'd actually list the Marshawn, sony and connor just connor just spoiled me the past couple weeks so um, i'll take a chance with the upside of sony so thank you michael for that question dan we got two more out here uh, this is an, a repeat question from Sam Wirtz. Thanks again for uh, reaching out to us, Sam. We appreciate it. He wants to get our take on the Packers' backfield now and moving forward. And I'll just go first. To me, it's Aaron Jones this is the guy. He's more dynamic. Williams, I think he'll still get on the field because of his pass blocking. But Jones is just a better producer at this point. And and I, you know, we thought Williams was a sleeper, but it's obvious it's Jones. 
Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, we had high hopes for Williams at the beginning of the season. I, I know both of us really thought he was going to be a sleeper. Uh, but I think both of us said if he can assert himself as the lead back in those first couple games with Jones gone, then it's kind of his job to lose. He didn't do that. He, he did not do that. Uh, and then Jones comes in and has just been clearly – uh, just frankly, more dynamic, uh, more exciting is running the ball with just looks a little bit more fierce out of the backfield. Uh, so I love Jones going forward. It's a murky situation because Ty Montgomery's also there. So there's three, this is one of those three, three back situations. Um, but uh, I mean, this week I feel, I would feel good about playing Aaron Jones as my flex. Uh, I think there's a lot of upside, um, to that. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Aaron Jones is the one you want. Um, Williams, I think, will give you a nice play here and there. But I think they're all flex options at this point, And I think Aaron Jones is probably the one you want. Yeah, thanks for the question, Sam. Hopefully that helps you. And then our last one, we got an email from a gentleman named Greg. Greg. Greg reached out to us, and it's it's interesting because it's a defense question. We don't really talk about defenses a lot, but sure. he's listing what are considered high-scoring teams that I think are their defense is getting a little punished because they're always in shootouts. How would you rank the following defenses? He lists the Chiefs, Rams, Saints, Vikings, and Falcons. I have a clear-cut one, and then well, I can rank them, but Dan, what are your thoughts? How would you rank those five? Uh, I think Rams have the biggest upside. Uh, just because the talent on that team, the pass rush is nasty. Uh, but in, I think it's just one of these situations where the corners were out last week, so that really got exploited, and that's why you got that high-flying, big-time game out of all those Minnesota guys. Uh, so I think moving forward, Rams is number one for me. Um, oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Then probably the Saints – then the the Vikings, Falcons, Chiefs. Chiefs are. I mean, it doesn't seem like the Chiefs can stop anybody at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rams are the clear cut one for me, um, and then I'd probably go Vikings, Saints, Falcons, Chiefs. The Falcons have just so many injuries, and the Chiefs just look like they can't stop anybody. So hopefully, uh, you've got better options out there. Uh, but if you got the Rams, feel comfortable. Uh, it looks like Marcus Peters avoided injury. Akeem Talib will be back. They just got such an insane amount of talent on the front end, so yeah. uh, they can get to the quarterback. So, people, thank you so much for the questions. This was a lot of fun answering back. We look forward to participating in some questions uh, next week in our episode. So keep a lookout on our Twitter feed for uh, that request on Tuesday. So, yeah, Dan, keep them coming, guys. Dan, real quick, quick Thursday night preview. We got the Colts going to the Patriots. General thoughts on this game from a fantasy perspective? Uh, not a lot of confidence in that Colts uh, offense. Uh, I think you might get a lot more uh, catches out of the backfield like you got this weekend with T.Y. out. Uh, I, I don't know. I just – in. Uh, yeah, I'm just not sure what to expect, frankly, out of the Colts offense. Uh, Pat's offense, I, I think I agree with you. I think Gronk sits uh, or is not as involved as he usually is. I expect big games out of Sonny Michelle, uh, James White, and uh, I'm calling. I think Edelman goes over the century mark in his first game back. I'll make a bold, bold take. Uh, to my own benefit, frankly. I, I like it, but I don't like it at the same time. <laughs> uh, yeah, real quick on my end, um, I think uh, Luck gets a big downgrade with Hilton out, and it sounds like 
Um, you know, Jack Doyle's out again. I do like Ebron just with the tight end um, scarcity that's going on right now. And to your point, Dan, I do like uh, Naheem Hines to catch a few passes. So if you need a flex this week, I think you could do worse. Um, I'll call Chester Rogers out of the slot to have a decent game, something like six for 60, but I'm staying away from the pass catchers. Um, as far as New England is concerned, start Brady, start Michelle, start White, and I would start what, Edelman as well. What about starting Josh Gordon? What do you think about that? Until I see it, I'm going to say no. I mean, I, he just hasn't really done much so far in New England. I mean, this would be a nice matchup to get it right at this point. Yep. But I would stick to just the running backs. Brady, obviously Gronk, if he plays, you got to play him. But I'm, I'm thinking he sits as well. And I think you're right. I think Edelman has a nice game. I think Brady's going to just lock in on him this week. So, Yeah, I, I think this is definitely a bounce-back game. Uh, and the Patriots, frankly, kind of uh, blew the um, <laughs> Miami out of the water this week. And I... I, I actually think Josh Gordon could have a good game. Uh, I would be surprised if he goes off and uh, this is kind of the Josh Gordon coming out party. Uh, but I, I think this could be another high scoring affair. Uh, who do you like in this game, Bob? Yeah, What's the pick? I, I'm picking the Patriots and I don't think Patriots. it's going to be very close. How about yourself? You know what? I'm going to go on the limb. I'm going to call the upset. I'm going with the Colts. Oh, Why Dan- not? Danny being a little bold with this game. I see. <laughs> yeah, no, right. So, so yeah, Dan, I mean, that was a action pack full show for our Tuesday night show, getting re- ready for week five. Um, we got a lot in there, so hopefully this helps you guys. I really like our Tuesday show. We really get the, the week set up. So, uh, hopefully this helps with week five, uh, our next show, Dan, we're going to do our rankings review on Thursday. We're going to look at the matchups based on those rankings and, uh, I hope I restart a trend and get a win in the getting drafty <laughs> with the draft app. Cause it's been getting nasty for me. Oh, yeah. So, Dan, with that in mind, let's go ahead and close the show. So, once again, you can always follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at NotTakesFF. Once again, we really appreciate uh, all the questions and the interaction we're getting there. Uh, I like to see that we're getting out there to the public, so keep it up. Uh, Once again, appreciate the email. Uh, You can email us anything, questions, concerns, comments, show ideas at NotTakesFF at gmail.com. Visit our podcast homepage, anchor.fm, that's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm forward slash not takes FF. You can listen to us there. If you follow us on Anchor, you can actually leave us voice messages with questions and feedback that we'd like to put into our show. Similar to like we did here with the Twitter questions, we can actually put your voice message on the show and respond yeah. to it right there. Um, but even if you don't follow us there, you can find links to everywhere we're available. You know, Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. We're a lot of places, so you can find direct links in there. Uh, If you do listen to us on Apple specifically, Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. A five-star rating and review helps our show immensely get out there and get noticed uh, in the Apple Podcast platform. But if you listen to us anywhere, go ahead and subscribe. You'll get the shows as soon as they drop. We're doing one Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. So we've got a lot of uh, episodes coming out during the regular season. And Dan, as always, why don't you throw a shout out to your brother for the awesome song he created for us? Yeah, that's that. That's that. Name that tune. Its name is Alma, and uh, great song, my man. Thanks for letting us use it. I uh, can't thank you enough. Love this song. All right, Dan, and we will get together Thursday for our rankings and draft app uh, contest with John and Craig. Until then, Dan, I will talk to you later. Later. Ooh, the, the voice cracked on that one for me. <laughs> <laughs>